Life Audio. Welcome to the Untangling Life Podcast with Rachel Wojo. I'm Rachel, and this podcast is where you'll find the space to clear your head and calm your heart. I'm so glad you're here. Make yourself at home. Welcome to the Untangling Life Podcast. I'm Rachel, and I'm so glad you're listening in. Today, I'm tackling a subject I struggled with for many years. It's a topic that some of you have written to me about. What do we do? How do we respond when God's answer to our prayers is no? No, your loved one didn't make it. No, I'm sorry, the cancer isn't cured. No, your child's diagnosis isn't treatable. Our prayers after his answer is no become the most desperate requests. We then ask, God, why? Where were you? Where are you? How is this the best result? Why doesn't God always answer our prayers the way we want him to? King David certainly knew a thing or two about this. From the time he battled the giant to the day he went to the grave, trouble struck David's heart and life time after time. He was anointed as the next king of Israel as a young man, but he didn't ascend to the throne for 15 years, and he spent most of that time fighting and running for his life. God called David a man after his own heart, yet the Bible tells us he committed heinous crimes, first adultery and then murder. When he came face to face with the prophet Nathan, David admitted his guilt, but his sin still carried consequences. The child born from his adulterous affair would die. Second Samuel twelve sixteen says, David pleaded with God for the child. Goodness, my mama's heart knows exactly what this feels like. God, if you'll just fill in the blank, then I'll fill in the blank. And then I personally traded bargaining for begging. Lord, please, please. I'm guessing David did the same. Maybe you've done the same. As a distraught parent, David fasted and lay on the ground, wrapped in sackcloth, refusing to get up or eat. Although it is unclear if David wrote Psalm 51 after the death of his baby or before, the introductory words state, For the director of music, a psalm of David. When the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. This entire psalm is saturated with recollection, repentance, and a request for deliverance. I often wonder if David sang Psalm 51 in a minor key so great was his sorrow. Verse 8 says, Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. David knew the combined weight of regret and grief. Shame and guilt only buried his sorrow more deeply into his heart. David held a lamenting posture for seven days until his child died. His attendants were afraid to tell him what had happened. They thought, how can we now tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate, Second Samuel twelve eighteen explains. Something desperate. David was beyond discouraged and depressed. The people who spent the most time with him and knew him better than anyone feared his behavior would worsen upon learning that his precious child was dead. Did they worry that he might kill himself for someone else? 
when God doesn't answer our prayers the way we want Him to, desperation strikes. We feel as if our bones desiccate into powder, and the simple act of standing becomes more than we can bear. Every breath grows labored. The only way to continue breathing is to remember the source of our oxygen. Acts 17.28 says, In Him we move and live and have our being. From our first breath to forever, God is the provider of every one. We rely on our Creator's ability to control the exact amount of oxygen we need each moment of every day. And we must learn to trust His provision in all things is best for us. But the temptation to try something desperate is natural. When we've asked for a different set of circumstances or a different outcome than what God gives us. This is Chris Christensen and back in 2006 I started a simple project. A project to try and introduce more people to the Bible through Bible study called the Bible Study Podcast. It's a simple name and a simple idea. Each week, every week, we study one chapter of the Bible, talk about what it says and what that might mean for us today. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for the Bible Study Podcast on your favorite podcast app. When our prayers are answered unexpectedly, we're elated. Some of you have heard me share how God dropped $5,000 in our backyard and some of the other incredible yeses our family has experienced in prayer. But when the answer is no and the results are not what we had hoped for, Human erosion arises in our hearts and often reigns. We wonder if God even heard us. We think we must not be worthy of his listening ear. Doubts creep in, like maybe I didn't pray long enough or hard enough, or maybe I just wasn't good enough in God's eyes to receive the answer I wanted. These whispers are lies from the enemy. In Psalm twenty-two twenty-four, David reminds us of what is true. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. God doesn't tell us no out of spite or rejection. It's only because he loves us so much and wants the very best for us that he ever answers no. He sees the whole picture from beginning to end. Our view is limited. His vision goes beyond the earthly veil and into the heavenly realm. So many times we go to God in prayer with predetermined expectations. After all, we know what we want and when we want it. I've never known anyone to pray urgently. And Lord, it's okay if you don't give it to me right now. Ten years from now would be okay too. (laughs) No, many of our requests to God are explicitly tied to our desired timeline. For most of us, that timeline is now. The tyranny of the urgent drives our prayers, and desperate prayers are typically rooted in emergencies. In addition to the moment's rashness, our ideas of how God should respond to our needs dominate our request. It's not wrong to take our fears and cares and worries to Him. This is exactly what He tells us to do, 1 Peter 5, 7 Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. We have the promise that he hears us. He listens. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea, Psalm 102, 17. He always responds. 
but not always in the way we want. In urgency, we forget that he still sovereignly rules over the entire earth. God's plan for our lives is broader than this present moment. David didn't try to take any drastic measures after his child died. What he did next baffled his attendants. He stopped weeping, wailing, and fasting. He had hoped that his contrition would change God's mind. But when it didn't, he made a statement that ushers hope into my soul. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. 2 Samuel 12:22 This verse explains that David embraced an eternal perspective. He anticipated the day when he would see his baby in heaven again, yet he stepped into the life God still had for him to live on this planet right then. Psalm 51 provides a glimpse into what made David so different from his predecessor King Saul. David repented of his sin, requested mercy, and loved the Lord so much that he begged Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Psalm 51.11 David couldn't live without the Lord, and with his heart aligned with God's will for his life, he knew strength for another day would be his. God would hold him. When we can barely shape the whispered words, God hold me with our lips, what are we really asking God for? The same thing that David requested. We long for God's presence to envelop our souls so deeply that it is unexplainable. We want his peace to calm our hearts and minds, as what Paul promises in Philippians 4-7. It's within our reach. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When we hear a pastor preaching on this verse, we affirm it. Yes, Lord, count me in on that kind of peace. But if we back up briefly and check the context for this piece in the verse prior, Philippians 4, 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Prayer is the prime place of awareness for the unimaginable peace of God. Not the kind in which we are just telling God our requests, We're supposed to present our needs to him, laying them at his feet. We must always remember that they are requests and not demands. As we approach the throne of Almighty God, we must know our place and humbly make our case known. God sees our humble hearts and this posture of humility attracts him. In our vulnerability, we can release our cares into his arms and enter his incomprehensible peace, and presence. When we ask God to hold us, we also want to know that we're not alone in pain, grief, or death. His presence brings comfort, protection, and the knowledge that we cannot walk this journey alone. His omnipresence is not something that we can grasp. Where the NIV of Philippians 4-7 uses the word transcends to describe the relationship between peace and understanding, the ESV uses the word surpasses. In Greek, this word means to excel, surpass, or be superior. God's work in our lives exceeds our ability to comprehend it. His sovereign plan is superior to anything our finite minds can dream up. 
Believing that our plan is better than God's means believing that we know more than he does. We are closest to sensing the heavenly realm in the first and final moments of our lives. Know that God is big enough to contend with your sorrow. His arms are wide enough to hold you in your pain. Pain cannot grip you tighter than God's grace. Those irrational thoughts that invade your mind are not unknown to him. He can handle whatever emotion you throw at him. His answer to your prayer is not no for denial's sake. Instead, because of his mercy, grace, great love for you, and sovereign plan for you, he issues no's that we can't perceive because we can't predict the future. He can. He will hold you fast and never let go. His love goes beyond the no. His arms are wide enough to hold every broken heart. I hope this encourages you to know that when God's answer is no, it is not because he does not love you. It is because of his great love for you. Thanks for listening in today. If you could use some encouragement, please head over to rachelwojo.com and get the free calming prayers ebook, 10 free calming prayers that are sure to clear your head and calm your heart in the chaos of life. This free ebook is beautiful and I hope you enjoy it. It's a free gift. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Until next time, God sees you and knows your name. Thank you for listening to the Untangling Life Podcast with Rachel Wojo. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, be sure to subscribe. For show notes and free resources, visit rachelwojo.com. See you again soon. Hi, I'm Beckett Cook, host of The Beckett Cook Show. I lived as a gay man in Hollywood for many, many years until I had a radical encounter with Jesus 13 years ago. Since then, I've gotten my master's degree in seminary and published a book called A Change of Affection. On my podcast, The Beckett Cook Show, I sit down with fascinating Christian scholars and thinkers to address the lies of the culture and bring the biblical truth to bear on those lies. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for The Becca Cook Show on your favorite podcasting platform.